Gracious eternal God, our Father, we just thank you now for the time that you give us to study your word. We ask, Lord God, that you would open up our eyes and our ears, that we will hear from heaven and to hear what heaven has to say to us individually and collectively. We thank you for these that have come out tonight, that have given of their time, that are dedicated to the study of your word. We pray that you would be a blessing to them so that they will be a blessing to others. We also pray, Lord God, for those that are en route. We ask that you give them traveling grace, allow them to make it uh, safely here. We pray for those that are watching uh, online as well as those that would like to be here tonight but are not able to attend. We pray that as the word goes forward that we will hear from you, Lord, Open up our eyes that we will see clearly what your word says in the scripture. Let us apply to our daily lives. Give us spiritual ears that we can hear what heaven has to say. And Father, when it's all said and done, we will be obedient to do what you have asked us to do. And when, it's, and when we leave, leave this place, Lord God, we pray that your word will fall on fertile ground that the Holy Spirit will water that seed, that it will be rooted and grounded in your word. We thank you in advance for what you've already done and what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, getting right into it. Last week we were talking about fasting and praying. I wanna just kinda recap uh, some of the things that we learned from last week. One of the things that we learn from a biblical standpoint or definition that a biblical fast is abstinence from food. Abstinence from food, um, when you look at it, fasting in its original text, it means to abstain or not to participate in, to, to refruit from it. In other words, it's not just food, when it comes to the actual meaning of, of fasting in the text itself. But the biblical definition of it is to abstain from food. One of the things that I covered with you was that fasting and praying go hand in hand. If you are fasting and not praying, then you literally are dieting. It is very popular nowadays. They call it intermittent fasting where you're skipping a meal for a specified period of time, but you don't add prayer with that. I gave you some examples of how when you fast, this will actually change your life when you, when you apply the spiritual disciplines that come with it. One of the things that you can do to help you when it comes to your spiritual disciplines is when you fast and pray, write down specifically what you want God to speak to you while you're going through your fast. Write down what is it that you want God to reveal to you while you're going through the fast. Once you do that, find scriptures that apply or are applicable to the question that you're asking. For example, if you're Seeking God for healing, then write scriptures down on healing. If you're seeking God for peace, write down scriptures on peace. 
If you need a financial blessing, write scriptures down dealing with the actual gifts, tithes, offerings. Does everybody follow that? So like when you are actually scheduled to eat, now what you're going to do is begin to declare those scriptures that you just wrote down dealing specifically with the topic that you have in mind. So at breakfast, instead of you eating, now you're praying and you're declaring or reciting scriptures dealing with whatever that issue, concern, or whatever it is you want God to reveal to you. You would do that at breakfast, you would do that at lunch, and then you would do that at dinner. And so now what you're doing is, it's just like a person that's working out. You're beginning to have spiritual disciplines. Well, now those spiritual disciplines are like muscles. Anybody ever worked out that first day? You know, it's really hard when you, when you begin because the next day, even if it's not the next day, I will tell you within 48 hours, you're going to be sore. So when you're fasting, the same analogy holds true that you may not make it through that entire time frame that you planned on fasting. It's okay. We're going to talk about that too. But when we look at our spiritual disciplines, that is what fasting is. It's a spiritual discipline. And then we also talked about why fast. I'm just going to give you a couple of those and then we'll move on. One is to seek a deeper relationship with God and a commitment to his will. To seek a deeper relationship with God and a commitment to his will. You want to do what God is telling you to do. Not your will, but his will. And one of the things that you'll learn in fasting, your flesh dies, but you, you feed your spiritual man or woman, your inner being, your spirit. I want everybody to do this for me. It's a little exercise just to make certain that uh, you're awake. All right. So sometimes we look at scripture and we, we super spiritualize it. And what I mean by that is, like, if I say supernatural, we look at that like, ooh, that's spooky. So I want you to do this for me. It's, it's re real simple so that if someone asks you the question, you'll be able to give this real simple example when we say spirit. So I want you to take your hand out in front of you, and I want you to blow on your hand. Did you feel the wind? When you blew on your hand, can you see it? No. Why? Because wind is invisible, but the spirit is the same way. It's invisible, but you can feel it. It's something on the inside of you that you feel, and that is the spirit of God. That's a real little simple trite example, but that's how the spirit is. The spirit of God is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So like the Holy Spirit, when you're fasting and praying, that flesh, man or woman, it dies. But you're filling your actual spirit, man and woman with God's word. And so what happens is, and we're going to see it tonight in our uh, actual lesson, we're going to see it tonight with Jesus' example of what he does through fasting and praying. Are we still together? All right. So tonight, for uh, our time that we have together, we're still going to be teaching on fasting and praying. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 
verses 1 through 11. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it um, in its entirety. I'm going to read a verse and then give you an exegesis or an explanation of the verse, and that'll save some time. So I've got about 15 minutes to explain the text, and then I'm going to open up to uh, my illustrious guests that are up here tonight. I want to uh, thank them for uh, joining me in this time of study. And then we're going to open up the floor to questions that you all may have pertaining either to the lesson or to your actual time that you fasted today. Because we all know today was our 12 hours of fasting and praying, and we've been doing this for some time now. And I want to hear some testimonies, whether it was something that you learned, uh, whether you were, uh, you know, tested with something and you, you really didn't know how to handle it. Well, that's what we, we are here for tonight, to learn from each other. So uh, give me 15 minutes, and then we're going to open up our panel and then open up time for you to ask questions. So Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and this is the King James translation that I'll be reading from. So this is Jesus. Uh, you've, you've seen this passage before, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is Jesus being tempted. Let me give you a little uh, background or context to go with the text. So if you go back and read Matthew chapter 3, it is the, the story of Jesus going into the wilderness, and he's tempted. I'm sorry, it's uh, Jesus going into the wilderness uh, where John the Baptist is preaching. And Jesus comes to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is prophesying or proclaiming that there would be one coming before him. And the one that, that would be coming before him, he said that he will be filled with the Spirit. And so Jesus in um, Matthew 3 and 13, you see Jesus is now being baptized. Heaven opens up, and the Spirit of God ascends onto Jesus like a dove. And then, after this celebration of Jesus being baptized, he goes into the wilderness. And that's what we'll pick up for our time together on tonight. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, when you see the word then, it's transition. There's a transition that has taken place. Jesus is baptized. Then he goes into the wilderness. He's led not by Satan. He's, he's led not by his flesh. He's led by the spirit into the wilderness. That's important because a lot of times we do things without being led by the spirit. We do things, just say amen, say ouch, say something. We do things that sometimes it's our flesh telling us to do it, and it's not God. But what I want you to, to, to glean from tonight is that Jesus is our example when it comes to fasting and praying. So Jesus starts out by uh, letting us know he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Wilderness is basically our proving grounds. This is where we're going to be tested you're going to have some tests in life. And 
whether or not you pass the test or fail the test, it's going to happen in the wilderness. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and then it says he's tempted of the devil. That word tempted there means to try or to make proof of. To try or to make proof of. Jesus is solidifying his public ministry when we see this. It is an example for us as leaders to follow Jesus' example. Most people, or some people, I won't say most people, but some people will ask, why do we, why do we go through this celebratory, um, celebratory time of baptism in this celebratory or a ceremony when we have our, our communion? Well, we, we, we utilize the examples of Jesus Christ. Jesus is baptized, and that word baptized means it's baptismal, which means to be submerged. We don't dip in water. We don't sprinkle in water. We are baptized or submerged in water. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. So Jesus is our example. If we are to be Christians, it means to be Christ-like. So we follow the example of Jesus Christ. And then... After he's, he's tempted of the devil, or he's, he's tested, he's tried, verse 2 says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Jesus is showing us a total fast. If you read Mark chapter, or sorry, Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13, it says that he went on a total fast. A total fast means no water or food. 40 days without water, 40 days without food. That is, that is critical when it comes to your life. Reason being, after 40 days without water or food, your vital organs begin to, to shut down, your liver, your kidneys. So I want you to imagine, that's how hungry Jesus was. He's to the point of death. And then Satan comes along and he begins to tempt Jesus. And then check out what he does. Now, I want you again, we're learning from Jesus. What Satan is doing to Jesus is the same thing that he's going to do to you. Jesus is hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. He hasn't had anything to drink. Look at verse 3. Look what Satan does. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. He's tempting him in the area that he is he's vulnerable in. He's hungry for food, and what does he do? He's offering him food. Now, um, this is the tempter, and we know that it's Satan, but I want you to, to, to just imagine this. I don't want you to, to spiritualize this. Again, this is, this is life application. Make it very practical. Maybe your image that you've seen of the devil is this red creature with pointed ears and a fork, a pitchfork. How many of y'all have seen that, right? The images of Satan. Well, newsflash. Uh, your temptation might be food. It might be alcohol. It might be pornography. It might be the credit card that's in your pocket, in your wallet, or in your purse. You have no self-control. You shopping online, Amazon. You pass by an art thrift store, 
It's, it's like the old blue light from uh, many of y'all. I think everybody in here is old enough to remember. Kmart, blue light special. It's got a blue light flashing. And that blue light's got your name all over it. He's like, I got to go in. I got to get something. That's the reality of what the tempter is. It's not this red uh, creature with pointed ears and a pitchfork. So what Jesus is showing us is in this example, he is showing us how we can overcome this temptation. Are we still together? All right. Verse 4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, remember, Jesus had just gotten a spiritual victory. He was just baptized. And then here comes Satan to tempt him. That's real life. Just when you got that victory, Satan was like, oh, yeah, they're vulnerable now because they think they're, 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 they're on the winning team, everything's going good. That's when he's going to tempt you. Just when you got that little subtle victory, that's when Satan comes along to tempt you. He knows what buttons to push, he knows what words to say, and he knows how to get underneath your skin. Uh, real life, can, can I share a testimony with you all? So uh, Monday, pull up, um, parked my vehicle, and they had the parking lot taped off. So I had to park over here in front of the um, Connections Cafe. And to my surprise, there were three persons standing on the sidewalk smoking weed. All three of them had joints in their hands, and you all know my background. Yes, it's legal in the state of Colorado, but I, I went old school, y'all. The blue, the blue hat, the blue uniform, the badge, all of that, it kicked in. I was not in the spirit. I'm just, I'm being honest. I was not in the spirit. I didn't say, can I pray for you? I didn't say, can I help you? No, I went off. I went off because this is holy ground. And they disrespected the holy ground, and they tried to give me, this is, this is what's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it, to, bringing it to, to the scripture or the text here. You know what these, these three persons had the nerve to do? The same thing that Satan is going to do in, this next, in the next verse. They gave me scripture to justify what they were doing. Right? This is God's green herb. It's a natural plant. My body is a temple. I'm just satisfying my body. Try to interpret or paraphrase scripture to justify what they were doing. Check it out in the verse. Next verse. Verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, now this is Satan talking to God, or talking to Jesus, if thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now this is, this is Satan trying to tell the living word what scripture is saying. 
But that's what he does. He tries to justify. And the, the end goal here is Satan wants you to bow down to him. He wants to be Lord. Now, he tempts our flesh. But when you fast, remember what's happening here. It's a spiritual discipline. Now you have spiritual muscles. So if you continue to, to fast, again, it's fasting and praying. It's a spiritual discipline. If you, can, if you continue to do it, just like a person exercising, you're going to be able to flex your muscles. Have you, um, work, if you've ever worked out and you begin to work out and become consistent with your workout, you'll begin to see uh, your body transform. Muscles, your endurance, your cardio, all of that. Uh, because of your spiritual muscles, but the same holds true or because of your physical muscles But the same holds true with your spiritual muscles If you can just get this spiritual discipline as part of your daily walk with God you will begin to see Those enemies just like Jesus is showing us here in the text the tempter when it comes those those sights those sounds those smells those likes, all of the things that attract you in your flesh, you'll begin to speak the word of God on them to the point where you're not even tempted by them anymore. Okay, here's one for you. What did the old saints used to say? The places I used to go, I don't go anymore. The things that I used to do, I don't do anymore. That's a spiritual discipline where the word of God is... It's in your spirit now, and you can overcome those temptations just like, de just like Jesus did. So Satan will make you question who you are and try to make you give in to your fleshly desires. You see what he did? If you are the son of God, he'll, he'll make you question your identity. Like, who am I? Who, who is this person? How did I get here? He'll have you using pronouns. Can I keep it real? <laughs> Having you using pronouns, calling yourself a Furby, and it's accepted in society. That is not God. Like, he created you in his image and in his likeness. And he said it was good. So Satan will question, make you question who you are. Verse 7. Then said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Now, in verse 7, um, there's one thing that Satan will try to do, and he can't do it. You can't tempt God. I want you to think about that. You cannot tempt God. Jesus is the living word. He is the manifestation of God. So in essence, we have Satan trying to tempt God. And God can't be tempted. The word he uses there is Lord. In your Bible, it should be in all capital letters. Is that accurate? Is it in all capital letters in your Bible in verse 7? If it's, if it's not, 
It's okay. But the reference there is Lord, the self-existing one. That's who he's trying to tempt, the self-existing one, to the point where it says, tempt the Lord thy God. The word God there is Yahweh. Yahweh is the God of Israel. I almost made it. Yahweh is the God of Israel that uh, references to in, in the um, ancient Israel, when you see the word Yahweh, that word, they reverence God so much that they would not use vowels. They only use consonants. And when you would see his name written, if they actually wrote it, it would be the letters Y-H-W-H. That is the ancient Hebrew form of the verb, he will be the personal God of Israel. He will be the personal God of Israel. It, it is referred to as a tetragrammaton, a tetragrammaton, which means that there were no vowels or consonants. And so that's how they reverenced God to the point that he was so holy to them, they wouldn't even write his name out in public to where it was visible. So now we've got Satan trying to tempt God, who is his son, Jesus the Christ, the living word. Verse eight and nine. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. There it is. Again, the enemy, he will be persistent. He will be relentless. His main objective is to have you, me, and us to bow down and worship him. Remember, he was kicked out of heaven. And he took thousands of angels with him. And those little imps that are here on earth doing his work, they want you to bow down and worship him. Verse 10 and verse 11, and we'll close out. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. There is only one Lord. There's only one God. And the scripture is really clear. Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11, says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth, and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His goal is for us to give in to our flesh. Whenever we sin, it falls or takes these particular steps. You can trace it all the way back into the Garden of Eden. It is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, which is sin. 
Every sin that you commit, you lust, your, your physical body, you lust, lust of the flesh. I want it, I desire it, I need it, I gotta have it. Lust of the flesh, then the lust of the eyes. You track in on it, you see it, it's visible. Adam and Eve showed her the forbidden fruit. He's a deceiver, he's a deceptor, he's tricky. And you lock in on it, he's like, I gotta have it, I gotta have it. And your, your, your body finally says, okay, I want that desire, fulfill. I want that pleasure, fulfill. I want that high, fulfill. And you give in to it. And that's what happens when we sin. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or pride of life. So you ask yourself the question, why should I fast and pray? To overcome sin. It's that simple. To overcome sin. When we overcome sin, then we are back in right relationship and fellowship with God. But when we give in to sin, we separate ourselves from God. That, that is the meaning of it itself. It's separation between, separation from you and God. Amen? I hope that blessed you. Now, I'm going to see how good uh, my students were tonight if I were a teacher. Um, was there anything, uh, Prophetess Tanya, that stood out that you could glean from this lesson and say apply it in your everyday life when it comes to fasting and praying? Well, there's a few scriptures that, that come to mind. Um, first, I understand that there's no good thing that dwelleth in the flesh, right? So, and the flesh is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can it be. And so the only way to get this flesh under subjection is to fast, is to pray. Um, the Bible also says that um, these things only come out through fasting and praying. And so these things can be whatever these things are to us as individuals. So, you know, I just look at the significance in fasting and praying and understanding that I have to keep this flesh under subjection. If not, it's going to do what the flesh does, and that's sin. And that's the only thing that the flesh in itself can do. Amen. I think um, she, she referred back to last week's uh, Scripture reference, that's Matthew 17, verse 21, where it basically says that uh, only these things could come by fasting and praying. And so that's really where we landed to, to launch uh, this particular series. That's the premise or the thesis of the actual Bible study. It's fasting and praying. When you mix the two together, it's just like peanut butter and jelly, ham and cheese, right? They go good together. And so... Uh, we want you to apply fasting and praying in your daily walk. Talk to me, Brother Denisho. Thank you for having me here, uh, Pastor Sam, Sister Tanya. Um, I just wanted to add another aspect to it. Jesus, you know, after he was tempted, he immediately, you know, after verse 11, he immediately began his ministry. Mm. <clears throat> so, I take another aspect of it as, um, I don't know, being a military man, you might understand this, basic training, mm. preparation. Talk to me. Um, I remember Pastor Leah kind of preached a mini sermon one night in MIT class, 
And she, you know, she summed it all up. It's, it's all about preparation. Um, Pastor Felix would always say, stay ready, be ready. You know? And to me, um, that's what this is basically, you know, Jesus is getting ready to begin his ministry. John's ministry and his season was over, and Jesus, it was showtime for him. But before that, he had to prepare his, he had to prepare his earthly body, the fasting. He had to prepare himself in the spirit, resisting Satan, listening to the word. And to me, that's, you know, it's all preparation. You, you know, like Sister Tanya said, there's nothing good in the flesh, so you, you have to discipline it. You have to train it, prepare it. And, you know, resisting urge to eat is like our most powerful urge besides another urge, but it kind of prepares us to control that flesh in all circumstances, all different things, you know, with the basic, like, I'm not going to, you're hungry, but I'm not going to feed you. Amen, I'm amen. control. <laughs> amen. Uh, and that's good. Usually when I teach this particular um, text, that is what I, I actually land, where I land. When you look at it, it it's really the uh, steps to Christianity. Baptism, that's your confession of faith. Once Jesus is baptized, then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. That is important because you can't do ministry if you don't have the Spirit of God in you. It just doesn't work. Then he goes into fasting and praying, and then he begins his public ministry right after this. So that, those are the steps of the preparation process that we as individuals should be following in our daily walk of life. Now, on that note, uh, Brother Nisho, you, you stated that um, when you're fasting, you know, you have these urges to eat. Talk us through what that looks like when you're fasting and, and you get that urge to eat. What, what are some things that you do to process to help you through that? Well, it's like you say, you have to, you know, do the other part as well, feed the spiritual man through prayer. Um, and that's really, you know, when you would be eating, you replace it with something else. Um, me personally, I the water part, I have to <laughs> drink the water, but that's it, no sodas or milk or you know, anything like that. But it, it, it's just a, a dual preparation. You're preparing your flesh for temptations. Um, you're preparing your spirit through prayer to be able to receive and hear God's word, which piggybacks to verse four and four, um, which I think is just so powerful. Um, I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Uh, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, which, you know, he's conceding we need food to, for our physical bodies to survive. But he made it more important in the B part, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, you know, every food is not good for you, but every word of God <laughs> is what feeds your spirit, man. Amen, amen. Prophet, let's tell you, talk to us. So you're fasting, you're in the 11th hour, you got one hour left, and Popeyes is calling your name. Talk to us. What, what, what do you do to get through that last hour? Man, it depends. Um, sometimes I make it and sometimes I don't. But I think that the times when I, when I do make it, I think about the end game. I think about what I'm asking God for. I'm thinking about what I need, you know, spiritually, what, I, what I'm asking God for. And it's much more important than 
um, feeding the body at that time, at that moment. And it generally gets me through just my need and, yeah, desperation for what I'm asking God for. Right, right. So uh, she says something, and, and I think we all can uh, relate to it. What happens when you make up in your mind that you're going to fast for a specific time, but then you break that fast? All right, now it's time for audience participation. You wrote down you was going to fast for 12 hours, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And at 5.45, you said, well, hey, I'm going into Bible study. Ain't got but 15 minutes. I can break this fast. I got 15 minutes. I can eat a burger. I can eat a bag of chips. I'm good, right? So what do you do when, when, when that happens? How do you process that? I want to I hear from you. I see a hand. All right, got a brave soldier. Plain and simple, obedience is greater than sacrifice. Amen, amen. All right, somebody else. I'm going to help you, but I want to, I want to, I want to get some feedback first. Sometimes you just ask for forgiveness. And uh, say, okay, I'll, I'll try the, the next time. Amen, amen. Got one coming behind you. Well, I'm a newbie with fasting. I'm going to testify that I started today. Amen. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. I a made newbie it. started I made today. It today I made it. Amen. But Amen. I have two supporting partners. Um, I won't call them out, but they are great supporters. And one was directly supporting me today, and then one in my household. But how I'm planning on preventing any desires is I'm, I pre-planned. So... Um, it's called the, the model of changing behavior. So you have to prepare before you start the action of changing a behavior or the desire that you're wanting from God. So I wrote it out. I have an outline. I plan the day and time, which was today, and the time that I'm going to pray, where I'm going to pray at. And I also got ministered to by Pastor Sam today of some scriptures because I'm a newbie. So I, wanted, I didn't want to fumble around with scriptures and trying to figure it out. He gave me some already. I made myself a folder. And so I am encouraged that I'm not going to fumble because I pre-planned. But I am a flesh. I am a human being in this world. So I'm going to desire, focus on my desire to accomplish what I'm fasting for by prayer, like Miss um, Tanya said, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm determined Amen. because what I'm fasting for, I've got to receive. 
If you all knew what I'm fasting for, I got to receive it. But I'll tell you my testimony when it comes because I'm claiming it already. Amen. 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 I want you to write this scripture down uh, in, your, in your spare time. Read this scripture. Um, Habakkuk 2 and 2. Habakkuk 2 and 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain unto tables that he may run that readeth it. When you write that vision down, you're, you're really more, I don't know what the percentage is, but the analytics, when you write something down, compared to saying it, you're more susceptible to fulfilling it because you wrote it down. You're holding yourself accountable. So a lot of good things that came out of that. And like I said, we're here to teach each other, to learn from each other. So let me help you out. You started the fast, but you didn't make it all the way through the time that you had planned your fast. I want you to, to encourage yourself that the fact that you started the fast, that's a victory in itself. The fact that you just started the fast, that is a victory. So it's small little victories that we can encourage ourselves and build from that. So if you break the fast, no problem. Tomorrow's a new day, start over. If you meet your goal and say you're going 12 hours and you wanna become more spiritual with your relationship with God, then increase the time that you fast. The Bible gives us all kinds of examples, a one-day fast, a three-day fast, a seven-day fast, a 21-day fast, and a 40-day fast. Those are the examples in, in Scripture. And the goal is to increase your spiritual discipline, which is just like your physical muscles, your condition. So now, when I used to run 10 minutes and be winded, I'm on that treadmill, Five days a week, now my 10 minutes is 20 minutes. Now a month into it, I'm, a, I'm, I'm on the treadmill doing an hour cardio. Same holds true. If you can just get these little principles and apply them in your daily lives, you will see God beginning to do some miraculous things in your lives. Fasting and praying will change your life if you just give it a try. I'm a living witness that God will do some miraculous things in your life when you begin the spiritual discipline of fasting and praying. That's what we'll pick up next, not next week. Next week will be um, our actual uh, break, and we'll come back on the 29th. So there will not be any Bible study next Wednesday, the 22nd. We'll pick back up on the 29th. Sister Carol had, had, had her hand up, Ro, could you? Give her the mic. Oh, could I add one thing? Sure, go ahead while they're bringing her the mic. Um, the same applies to prayer. For, and, and don't beat yourself up if you don't feel like your prayers are super holy or elaborate or you don't meet the time. You know, you give yourself a designated hour or two or whatever. Like Pastor Shams, it's the same with the fasting. Commend yourself that you're praying and that you're talking to God. Um, that's important, and it, it'll come. That this, it, it, with the treadmill, it'll come. You'll find yourself praying longer. You, you'll know when to pray, when not to pray, but don't beat yourself up. The very fact that you're talking to God, spending time in his presence is 
the most important thing. Amen. Amen. So scare. So what if you can't physically go on a fast from food, but you give up other things? Like with me, I can't go without, without the food, mm -hmm. but I, I'm a television junkie or I'm on the phone or doing uh, on Facebook or whatever, and I will give that up, but I'm still doing that and praying, you know, fasting in that way. So. Amen. That is an, an excellent example. One of the things that I didn't say in the beginning is a disclaimer. That disclaimer is that if you are physically where you're on medication and your doctor has not released you to fast, then don't go on a physical fast. If you are on some type of um, medical, um, whether it's medication or the doctor has you on rehab, things of that nature, consult your physician before you go on the fast. Excellent. Um, when I talk about fasting, the example that I gave was a biblical fast to abstain from food, but there is actually examples that we can apply and I'll do that as a separate teaching. It's called abstaining or abstinence. Fasting is, is giving up food itself, but we all can apply this spiritual discipline of abstinence. Social media, telephone, et cetera, all those things. I got another question in the audience. Uh, not necessarily a question, but the second week that we started this, uh, I had forgotten and I started preparing a meal. I thought, wait a minute, this is the day of fasting. <laughs> oh, well, what the heck, I'm gonna go ahead and eat. And I did. And I really felt a conviction. But with that conviction, it gave me the strength the next time, I don't wanna go through that conviction again. And it gave me the strength to get through the next time and the next time. Amen, amen. That is a great way uh, to end. I want you all to uh, give our panelists a hand clap. <clears throat> Amen. I want you to give yourself a hand clap for participating. We're still figuring this out. We're still figuring, it, figuring this out. And so, uh, oh, I, I see I got another question. Maybe a comment. Okay, well, turn back on. Uh, my question had to do with the Adam and Eve part of it and the, the origin of prayer and fasting. So with the fall of Adam and Eve and them being ousted from the garden, would you say that was the beginning of the fasting and prayer? Because what they would, be, would have been fasting from is having to eat flesh, which is one of the things that happened with the fall and then they would have to pray because prior to that, they were walking with God in the garden. And prayer would have to be made to now reach as opposed to walking with God. I'll give you the theological answer, which is Exodus uh, 30, I think it's 34. Uh, Moses is the first example of fasting and praying, um, which I covered that last week. So give me a minute. It's in my notes. Exodus 34, 28 through 35. That's the first theological, biblical example of fasting and prayer. But I do like the analogy um, that you laid out with that. I, I can see that happening. 